Welcome to another Scientology Fair Game podcast. Hello, Mikey. Hi, Lily. How's things out there in California? A little cold. It's cold? <laughs> yeah, it's cold today. It's been hot. It's been cold. Well, let's introduce our guest. Yes. Hi, Tori Chrisman, the famous Magoo and all-around good person who has been speaking out about the abuses of Scientology for, I don't know, 20 years or more. And we have never spoken to you before, either on the Aftermath or on our podcast, so we thought it'd be a great opportunity to have a chat with you today. Hi, Tori. Hi. Hi, Tori. Thank you very much. Hi, Liam. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Thank you. Mike, let's go over Tori's history so she doesn't have to do it. Then we can get into the meat of this. Sure. And correct me, Tori, if I got anything wrong here. I took it sort of off Wikipedia and various other places and a declaration or attestation that is on the internet from you. But you were basically raised a Catholic, but then you got into Scientology because your parents in Chicago, who you were visiting in 1969, had a copy of Dianetics, and you started reading it, and then you hitchhiked to LA, and then you got involved in Scientology, and then you joined the Sea Org, and you're in the Sea Org for 10 years, and you made it all the way to OT7, and there's the background of Tari. Now, Mike, a lot of times uh, Scientology likes to discredit people who left. Right. Right. Even when you're in, like you go, hey, what happened to such and such? They go, first, they try to lie to you and say they're on a mission or they left the country. Then you find out like they died and you're like, "Uh, the person died and you told me they were on a mission. Right. And they usually say things like, well, they weren't up the bridge or they missed something on their bridge, which implies, well, it doesn't imply it. They say basically the only reason that person got sick is because they didn't reach a certain level in Scientology or they weren't correctly applying Scientology to their lives. And so basically they're saying that's why. That's why they they got they died of cancer or whatever it is that they died of. Am I am I lying about that? Nope. Okay. Now so Tori in your case and in our case, when we left Scientology, we were all we had all reached a level, uh, including my mother, who is OT eight. And just for those who think I'm speaking Greek, these are just levels in Scientology that they're the top levels of Scientology that take a lot of time and a lot of money to get to, and not a lot of Scientologists get to it, despite being in Scientology their entire lives, going in every day or being there all day, all night, seven days a week, 365. So Tori, you can't say that about. You can't say that about me. You can't say that about Mike. You can't say that about Mary Kahn and a lot of other people who have spoken out who have reached the top levels of Scientology. And Tori, you are on OT7 or completed uh, OT7 and spent about a million dollars. Are you a rich person? Because that's another myth. People think this was only for the rich Somehow you spent a million dollars on Scientology. It was pretty close. No, I'm not rich. I need to clarify two things that Mike said. Sure. My parents didn't get me in. Okay. My husband's parents were in, my ex-husband, from 1950. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, they went all the way up to OT8 and then left. I mean, one went to OT7 and left and died, but he was already out of Scientology. Anyway. 
but a friend of mine got me into Scientology and gave me the Dynetics book. So that's one. Okay. The Sea Org, I was only in it six months. I have epilepsy and I needed my medicine. And that is honestly how I got out, really, because I fought them for 30 years about taking medicine. And every Scientologist to this day, people yeah. call me and say, you have to get off your medicine. And I'm like, get out of here. I just, I'm amazed. Because Scientology was claiming you didn't need it. Absolutely. I could take CalMag and Dianetics and that would handle it. Calcium, magnesium. Right. And despite me having grand mal seizures, which are the really bad, bad ones, uh -huh. and going unconscious, everything else, when I would come out of it, because they routed me out of the Sea Org, so now I'm out having seizures, and my mother's saying, Tori, they're going to kill you. And I'm like, no, no, Dianetics will fix it. I was only 22, and I was really brainwashed. I was really into it. Right. But you continued to take the medicine despite what Scientology was saying? No, I didn't. I got off of a little bit of it, started having all these seizures. I was losing my short-term memory, which you'll probably see during this interview. And my mother finally asked, what are you doing tonight? I said, I'm going on a date. She said, all right, I'll call you tomorrow. She called me the next day. How's your date? I said, what date? Right. She said, okay, that's it. Either you're on your medication today and your doctor calls me, which is Dr. Dank, L. Ron Hubbard's doctor, uh -huh. saying you are on your medication, or I am personally flying from Chicago to LA. And believe me, L. Ron Hubbard and the Church of Scientology will never forget your mother. Wow. And my dad was a celebrity, he's a football hall of fame kind of thing, and was at the time broadcasting on NBC. So I knew they had context to all these media. Right. And I knew my mother, she wouldn't just come and ball them out. She'd be on television saying, don't let your kids in, which right. would have been great. But at the time I was brainwashed and didn't want that. So I went back on my medicine. Right. Now was Scientology claiming, because then you became a civilian Scientologist, right? Were they promising you because they were, again, practicing medicine without a license, right. uh, but they were telling you Scientology can fix it. You just need to get onto your OT levels. And yet it wasn't fixing it. Yeah, that's the trick of Scientology. It's like every level that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And my father-in-law from 1950 gave Hubbard money and every level he would write them and say, I'm sorry, blah didn't work. I'm coming up with the next thing. I'm right. sorry, that didn't work. I'm coming up with the next thing all right. the way up the line. Right. And I finally asked my father-in-law, okay, what was your win for OT7? Because that's what he finished. Right. And he said, do you want to hear my win? And I said, I really do. And he said, here's my win, which is a success story. I can now give my money to the charities I want. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's from 1950 to late 90s. Right. Because Scientology, just so you know, does not look kindly on us parishioners giving our money away to real charities. They only want our money to go to the front groups of Scientology. Right. And, uh, you know, you get in trouble if you say I donated, you know, a nice chunk of change to the Red Cross or to any charity that's really doing the work. You get in trouble for that. So, right. yeah, okay, so you became a civilian Scientologist. Now, they, they, they route you out of the Sea Org, meaning they gave you kind of a, an honorary discharge. No, no, no. They, they said that I had to pay $100,000 because uh, I was a freeloader. And I'd only been in for six months. Right. And I said, okay, and this is a funny story because I didn't get it. I said, look, I'm going to write to the one man I know is sane. 
that's it. Give me a pen and paper. And I wrote to L. Ron Hubbard and I said, look, I was only in this long. I have epilepsy. I need to take the medicine, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He said, okay, they're wrong. You don't owe $100,000. You owe for staff status one and two, which are two little courses I took. Uh-huh. And then we'll see you up the line. So my goal, as ironic as it is, because people on the outside of Scientology now know how weird the Sea Org is. But when you're in it, it seemed like it would be a really cool thing to do. Sure. So for 30 years, I just kept, you know, doing the next level, trying to fix epilepsy so I could go back in the Sea Org. Because I got into Scientology to help people. That was it. That's the only thing I wanted to do was be an auditor and help people. Right. And that is the main reason that people are in Scientology. They they believe that they're helping the planet, saving the planet. And they stay in it because, you know, then you get indoctrinated and brainwashed. So in this time now, you work for Narconon, which is a front group, an infiltration group. And you realize when you work for Narconon that this was just yet another recruitment tool. For Scientology, right? You you weren't just actually there to help people, which is what they promote. They promote that they have an eighty nine point nine. Is that right, Mike? A success rate? Uh, ninety three or eighty nine or something. You know, if you look at the most successful drug programs, no organization doing this work has ever said that they have that kind of success rate. Not even close. And it's a lot. But anyway, and then you were an OSA volunteer, which was the... Um, Their secret police. The secret police uh, organization called the Office of Special Affairs. What did you do there? What was your job there? Okay, here's the deal. Yeah. They used to have the Guardian's office where 11 people went to prison for what they did in the Guardian's office. We moved from LA to Clearwater. And at the time, there were only four Scientology public in Clearwater. And one of the top Sea Org executives called me in. And at the time, they had people honking out Scientology, picketing against Scientology. You know, it was just a mess. Well, it was actually a a really great time for people who were fighting back against Scientology in Clearwater. They have all but disappeared doing anything about Clearwater. But go ahead. Okay, so they had already screwed with Gabe Gazaros. The mayor. And that's a whole different story. People can Google if they want. But that was a Scientology thing, Scientology did. Please do. So then this guy, Richard Tenney, he was a city commissioner running for the mayor of the town. And his program was Save Sparkling Clearwater, Stamp Out Scientology. Love him. And these people were honking out Scientology, stamping out Scientology, all this stuff. And he calls me in the office and he says, look, we came here on a lie. That's the fact. We were going to go to Georgia. We found out that they were going to plant drugs on the ship. L. Ron Hubbard would go to prison. So we swung around to Clearwater, bought the Fort Harrison under a lie. So his big program is Scientologists are liars. So he had that right. They are. So we can't go out and fight them. You have to fight them, Tori. You have to handle it. And I'm like, me? I have a brand new baby. I'm a mother. No. And he was like, no, you have to. We have to get this handled. I said, I don't do those kind of dirty tricks, that kind of thing. I'm not going to do it. He said, we don't want you to. And I realized later, that's what they do. They find out in session what you will do. How far can they push you? 
And they knew I wasn't going to do the dirty tricks. So he said, don't worry, just go out and be a public relations officer for us. Just go out and talk to people and handle it. Okay. And I did. I walked out and the first lady was an older woman with an American flag and a sign saying stamp out Scientology. And I walked up to her and I said, you know what? You should be ashamed of yourself. And she said, why? And I said, this is my religion. And look what you're doing. You're making my son cry. You're not doing anything. Put down your flags and go home. And she did. She left. Uh-huh. And I just kind of went person by person and went to meeting to meeting. Anyway, long story short, after months, he did get voted slam dunk out of office. And I'm not proud of it today, but I was then. And they paid me $12,000 in, in training awards for getting it done. I never used it because I felt like it was dirty money. Right. But that's how I got started in the Office of Special Affairs. And on top of that, you were getting materials taken off the internet. You That was way later, way later. I did. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I'm just going through the list. Tori, tell us about what you did as a volunteer for the Guardian's office and then the Office of Special Affairs. What like just in big broad terms, these are the things that I did. Because I ultimately want to get to how you left, but I just want to fill in the background so that we know This is a bit of the history of you before we get to, okay, and now I walk out the door and here's what happens. Okay, thank you. I went into detail on the Richard Tenney thing because I think it's important for these people running for office in Clearwater that the Clearwater people know this is their history. Right. Most people don't know it. This is what happened in Clearwater and they can look it up and find out. And it's going to happen again today. It happened with Mark Bunker when he ran for election. The the same sort of tactics were used of sending people in, disrupt the fundraising events and the candidates forums and start yelling out, you know, claims that he's a child molester or whatever. That standard Scientology, religious Religious bigot, you're a hater, you're a this, you're a that. Yeah, that's what they do. Now it's going to happen. What will happen with Aaron Smith Levin now? Yes. But it's been going on since time immemorial. This is part of, and this is a really important point that I think that everybody probably who listened to this podcast already understands. But for new listeners, Scientology never changes anything because it's all based on the policies of L. Ron Hubbard, which lay out this is what you have to do. And so they just keep doing it. Right. right. And it's just it's, called Scientology fair game. Right. right. Yeah. And all the things they've done against you guys, uh-huh. I've read lie after lie after lie that they write about you and say about you. And the people in, this is the scariest part. When you're in, this is why I call it the Truman Show. And if anybody hasn't seen that movie, rent it, buy it, watch it. That's Scientology. Uh-huh. You're in a cone or you're in like a studio, you you know, and you're surrounded by people that love Scientology and you're cut off from anyone. Like the people that are watching this are like, how could anybody be this stupid? Okay, it isn't a matter of intelligence. The top academics came and talked to me and interviewed me in 2000 when I escaped out. And they said, one of the biggest mistakes that people hear is that people that are in cults are stupid. And they said it has nothing to do with IQ. In fact, a lot of people in cults have high IQs. That's why they got in. They wanted to do something else. So the point is, 
Scientology will lie and lie and sneak in and be part of things that you think, well, these are good people, not knowing one of the people is a Scientologist there to slime like Mike and Leah, me, anybody else that's infiltrated against. Yeah, right. Exactly. So the Guardian's office, those guys went to jail. Then they switched it. They said the Guardian's office is over. We got rid of that. It was awful. It wasn't L. Ron Hubbard, which is bullshit. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. You can curse. (laughs) Okay. And uh, they created the Office of Special Affairs, saying to me and others, this is just PR and legal. So that's what you were. Mike was the head of PR, right? Right. That's how I knew you as the head of PR. That's all I thought. He's a great guy. He's handling PR. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) So that's how they frame it for the people in. So the people in do not know the facts. Your show, they don't watch. They can't watch it. They're not allowed to. And if they do, they're sent to ethics. So anyway, Mike, you asked about the main thing. So I did the Richard Tenney thing, not knowing about all these negative things about them. Right. I just talked to him and the town voted him out. There was that. Then I moved back to LA and I was basically a mother. I worked, you know, just boring stuff, right? You know, kept no. going up the bridge in Scientology. <laughs> well, I loved it. It's my favorite thing I ever did was being a mom. So I don't mean it's boring, but I'm just saying working with Scientology companies yeah. is boring. Yes. That's what I was doing was working for their Scientology company. Okay, then way at the end in 1990s, in the 90s, the internet came out. Mm-hmm. Not that you guys were on it or anybody else. We weren't, but Scientology was. And my auditor and best friend, Bill Yachty, came to me and said, look, these guys are writing lies about us on the internet and we have to handle it. So I want you to go open a phony account. Just get a name and a password. That's all I need. Pay with a cashier's check. Don't say your name. Use a phony name. That's it. Yeah. He said, nobody can do this, but I think you can. So that's always their thing. They get one person. That's how totalitarianism works. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. So I do it. I go in. I get the path. He said, most people can't even walk in and do it. You have to do it online. But I think you can get in. And I did. I got in. I said, my dad was dying. I have to have this, blah, blah, blah. I got the name, the password. Here's the cashier's check. Goodbye. And I go back to Bill and he has a grin like as big as California. And I said, what? And he goes, you just changed the history of the Internet. And I said, how can I change the history of the Internet when I don't even know what it is? (laughs) So long story short, from that point on, they kept getting me to open more accounts. He wanted 10 phony accounts. But what are these accounts? I'm not understanding this. Go okay, ahead. so uh, let me explain this bit, Tori, because I was on the other end of this. Oh, good. Bill Yaldi was an OSA operative. Though he was not a staff member or a Sea Org member, he was one of the volunteers in the field who was used to do things because it limited the liability of the organization to have someone disconnected or not an employee doing things. Yeah, mm-hmm. The idea was to get these accounts that could then be used to counter or respond to the, quote, lies that were appearing on the internet. 
Right. This was in the fledgling days. This was not Facebook and that it was like news groups. Yeah. And there was this news group called Alt-Religion Scientology. And it literally, it's sort of like, a, I don't know, Reddit is sort of like it today, but far more sophisticated. It just literally where people went and they kind of chatted about stuff and they would chat about Scientology and there were quote, nasty people on there saying untrue things about Scientology. So someone had to be responding to that. And that's what these fake name, fake accounts were used for primarily. Okay. Was to respond and start attacking and creating dissent and disagreement amongst these people and uh, and accusing them of lying or, you know, whatever. Right. There was all sorts of things that were done, all to try and create confusion and drown out the lies, quote unquote. The truth. Exactly. This alt-religion Scientology website was people speaking the truth about how awful Scientology is and that it's a cult. Correct. Okay. So that was what Tari started out doing. Gotcha. And why Bill Yowdy was saying, you've just changed the internet, mm-hmm. is because this was a quote, bright idea to solve the problem of how do you combat this because you can't have the Church of Scientology responding directly. So you set up these fake people out there who start responding, but those things are actually written by OSA. Right. Like the people in OSA are writing what those people are supposed to say and using the fake accounts to post it. Right. Two things that I think will help other people understand it. ARS, Alt Religion Scientology, was linear, which is different than websites. It was right. just post after post after post. You would write something like, L. Ron Hubbard's a liar. Okay. Right. They don't want people to see that. So <laughs> their view, this is what you already told me. We got to drive it down the page because it's just one page, one thing with hundreds of posts. Right. So drive it down the page onto the second page because most people don't read the second page. (laughs) And you know what? He's pretty right on that. Right. So his job, he said, get the 10 fake accounts. He was all 10 of those accounts. That's what's really spooky. It's like they didn't have an army of people doing this. He was Mary and Joe and Tom. And, you know, like, let's say somebody said L. Ron Hubbard's a liar. He would come on as one identity and say, that's not true. Nobody would say anything. So then he'd come on as another identity and say, oh, you know, why are you even worrying about this? Right. He'd come on as someone who's disabled, who says, you know, I'm disabled and I can't really, you know, hardly talk. But anyway, you have all these different identities. One really new tech. One was really witty, you know, that kind of thing, cracking jokes. Right, but the right. purpose, just like you said, was to, number one, distract off of any hot topic they didn't want seen. Right. Number two was to divide and conquer. And that's where we still see that today. Uh-huh. People that are even ex-Scientologists get out and they get into these fights. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, they have to know this is created by OSA. <laughs> this isn't just, you don't like me. Like right. one of my really good friends for 10 years won't talk to me now. And I'm like, how can this be? You know, it's just unreal to me. But anyway, and the third one, just like you said, the third goal was to just slime the area 
so that it's so gross, no one wants to post on it anymore. That's it. Those are the three goals. And did you guys achieve that? Well, look at ARS. Do you go to it? No. Gotcha. So, but in a way, this is my view. Bill I mean, Yardy- I know, I, I, Tori, I'm sorry. I don't mean to say no. Um, I think I do. I mean, I think because I, uh, when I'm searching for things and information, there's only a handful of websites that actually have the actual real deal stuff. Right. And, and so, you know, somebody like me, yes. But you're, you know, you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, I think Bill Yachty yeah. has to build a yeah. pathway to alt religion, Scientology, and the end theta or bad news they don't want seen. Right. Because it was back when I was, you know, introduced to it, it was like over the river and through the woods and around here and over there. And there's all the evil people, right? Which are people telling the truth. Right, exactly. But because of what I did, I, and I never got anything off the internet. I only opened those phony accounts. That was it. Right. They did all the rest of that stuff. Sure. But the phony accounts helped them get in and do the three goals that I told you about. Right. And I think they're still doing it to this day. I do. Of course they are. Uh, of course they are. There are people assigned in OSA who monitor the inter. I, like they show up on my blog, Tari. These goofy people or emails that like come from these random accounts with, oh boy, have you seen the latest about Mike Rinda? Like, <laughs> yeah, I've seen it all. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, you did go onto the internet. And I want to just quickly get to something because you went on there and that's where the name Magoo came from right? Your screen name was Magoo. But you have to understand, I actually thought my screen name was Magoo. But I'll tell you this. I actually thought I grew up in Chicago around the mafia. And I started thinking because they were using phony names, phony addresses, all kinds of creepy stuff. Gavino Ida was running it. And to me, he seemed like a mafia guy. And I thought, you know, it's not beyond David Miscavige to hide, <laughs> hire. I know it's funny, but I this is what I thought. I thought, you know what? They hired the mafia to get rid of these critics. That's what happened. And I called up Yachty and I said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I have to go back to work. And he said, okay, no problem. Just come over to this apartment, show up. And they attacked the shit out of me for three hours. And that's when I said, okay, in my own mind, I'm done. I'm done with these people. I'm done with Scientology. I'm done with everything. So why did they attack you? Because you were, didn't want to do this anymore? Right. And they had promised me, they said, because I had to sign a thing saying I'd pay $100,000 if I ever told anyone anything about this. Right. And I said to Bill, this is like the guardian's office shit. Right. And he looked at me and he goes like this, Tori, trust me. I'm your auditor. I'm your best friend. You know, I would never do anything illegal. I had said in session, I trust you with my life. So they knew I'm going to fall for it. Right, right. They didn't get me in. Osa didn't get me in. Yachty did. Right, right. So when I signed that $100,000 thing, I said, what about me? Because I couldn't say anything to anybody about anything. Even David Miscavige, L. Ron, you know, any, Hubbard was already dead, but Miscavige, you know, all the RTC guys, Mike Rinder, you know, they had all these people listed that I could not say a word about this to. 
Right. That's why in my first video, I said, Mike, you need to come out here and talk to these people in 2000. Because <laughs> I knew, you know, I couldn't talk to you, right? But on the video, I could because I was out. So you get reamed out for not wanting to do these things. And were you doing illegal things? You don't have to say what they were. Nothing. But is that I wasn't doing anything. It was just I was quitting. And so they, because they've got all their weird stuff they do do, mm-hmm. were worried I was going to talk. And I wasn't. I okay. wasn't at the time. I wasn't even when I left. I called Stacy Brooks and said, I'm not going to speak out. I'm not going to make videos. I'm not going to pick it. She said, Tori, we're only doing for you what we wish somebody had done for us when we were in the SEALs. So I thought, okay. But the reason why they dove on me is they were afraid I was going to talk. I wasn't. And finally, after two hours of all men in the dark pounding on me and yelling at me, including Bill Yachty and Gavino, I ran out. Yachty came running after me. He knew he screwed up. I knew it. I said, get away from me. I jumped in my car. I drove off. Mm-hmm. So that point, I was on my own, Mike. I wasn't working with them. I quit working with them. And that's when I finally, I went on to, you know, some other things got on the internet and found ARS. And that's when I started writing on ARS. But if you would go back and look in 19... I think it was 2000. I think I was writing on air. So right around June of 2000, if you look it up, I just sound insane. And they were saying that on the net. Magoo is nuts. And the reason I'm Magoo is because my dad died when I was 22. But he's very courageous and he's very strong. And when I woke up and realized I got to get out of here, I didn't know what to do. And I kind of plugged into my dad and he said, get the hell out of LA. Just get out. Do whatever you have to do, get out. That's what I got. And I thought, I'm keeping this guy near me because he's very strong and he's very smart and I love him. And so that's why that was my nickname for him. Oh, gotcha. Oh, I get it. Because we both have these little tiny eyes. See, look at my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) They're like Mr. McGill. You did not have little tiny eyes. I do. And, And he's on the internet. He was on TV at the time and he was very funny. And Mr. Magoo is funny. So that's why, you know, I thought I called him Magoo. Okay, now tell me about Andreas Heldel Lund. What role he played in this? Because Andreas Heldel Lund is someone that, I, actually, I would love to have him on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Who is he? He's the guy that began this thing called Operation Clambake which is a site that he created in Norway. He's Norwegian. He lives in Norway. And he created this site and put all sorts of materials on their OT levels, internal documents. Like, it was the first place that you could go on the internet that had a sort of library of bad Scientology shit. But facts. But I don't mean it's wrong. I just mean from Scientology's perspective, it was all the stuff Scientology didn't want public. Right. And he put it on his website in Norway and withstood a massive assault to try and get that website taken down. Right. And it never has been taken down. And it continues to this day. I mean, it's all sort of antiquated now, and it's like really hard to navigate around it, but it's still there, and I will put a link on this blog to it because he's like one of these people who is uh, outside of the world of real, you know, 
hardcore Scientology fanatical type people like us. Nobody knows who he is, but to someone like me, Andreas Heldel Lund is like a huge figure in the demise of Scientology, particularly when it came to the internet. So, Tari, tell us what happened between you and Andreas. Okay, so per Andreas, he was in Norway. He's a computer geek, right? Someone got sued or he, someone sued the church one way or the other. And he went, why is this happening in Norway? So he started looking around the internet in the 90s. And he found Paulette Cooper's story and this story and that story, you know, all kinds of different things that were horrible things the Church of Scientology had done, but none of them in one place. So he decided, because he's a computer geek, I'll create a website with this stuff. He looked on both sides. He looked at Scientology side. He looked at the other side. And he realized no one has this other side up. So he created that website. So now I'm on the internet making my own little posts. I made 4,000 posts in two weeks. Wow. Wow. 4,000 posts. I was on it day and night because I knew Yachty worked in the morning. He siesced in the afternoon at the Enhancement Center. And then at night, he was back on, nights and weekends, he was back on doing the OSIS shift. So I knew he was on late at night. So I'm on there posting all this stuff, right? And it's all Googled up because I'm still brainwashed at the time. You know, I didn't want them to declare me because I was married and I'd been in 30 years. I didn't want to be declared suppressive, which means you're one of the most evil people on the planet, which Mike and Leah are. Yeah, And me and all the great people that have left, all of us who created Scientology and have left because of the evil, crummy stuff they do, then they declare you suppressive and none of the people in can talk to you. You lose family. I lost my husband. He won't talk to me. And he stayed in and remarried. Wow. So anyway, I made all those posts and um, I woke up. What happened is this. If you remember the old ARS. You would say something, and then there'd be a bunch of arrows, and then I would respond, right? Mm-hmm. So all I knew how to do was copy-paste. That was it. So I would copy what you said, hit respond, paste, and then I would write what I wanted to respond to what you said. But I thought, right. who needs all these stupid arrows? So I'd erase all the arrows, right? And then I'd send it. So Andreas sent me a message, and he said, Magoo. Nobody can understand you because you're not formatting your communication. I don't know what formatting is. Right. You know, it's like, what? And I said, I don't even know how to do it. And he helped me. And that was the beginning of our communication. He helped me. He showed me how to format. It worked. And my mother taught me, if somebody helps you, send them a thank you. So he had that little blue link for an email. And, you know, obviously being in Scientology, you can't talk to suppressive people, which he obviously was. But I thought he did help me. So I click on the link. I'm really scared now. I'm in my house. No one can see me. But that's how brainwashed I was. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the first time I'm talking to a suppressive person. And I write him, dear Andreas, thank you. And he writes back, you are welcome, Andreas Heldelin. His complete address his cell phone number, his home number. So for people who might be a little bit confused, so because we left off that Tory, you know, you left Scientology. So why wouldn't you be able to talk to this guy who is doing this website 
Thank you. Saying the truth about Scientology. Because I was still in. I hadn't left yet. Right. So you were posting against what he was saying. Uh, No, I wasn't really. I was kind of waking up. Do you see what I mean? I was like waking up, but not fully. My view was this. The critics, and I think this is true to this day, are a lot like the original Cowboys were. They could do what they wanted. They could say what they wanted. They could go where they wanted. Mm -hmm. Being in OT7, you can't talk. You can't look. You can't read. You can't really even think. Because if you think, it'll come up on the six-month checks, which is another whole thing we won't go into. But they can Google it if they want. Anyway, so now, see, this is my short-term memory. What did you ask, Leah? What I'm trying to understand is, why were you on the site if you were not anti-Scientology? Because of Yachty and what Osa had done to me. Remember I said I went to that apartment and they all turned on me for two hours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, just to clarify, so, you know, you writing to this suppressive evil person was really your first step towards really being out because you were out, but you weren't out, out. Right. And mentally, I was still. Yeah. And you were still abiding by some of the rules of Scientology at this point. And, but emailing a suppressive person and he's helping you, you know, just this kind of simple act of kindness on his part made you reach out to him. It was a huge, I mean, people out cannot imagine how huge this is, but talking to a suppressive people that are in is gigantic. And I had been for 30 years, people had been leaving that I loved. And I'd been like, no, 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 I can't talk to them. You know, some of my best friends left. I, I can't talk to them. You know, they're declared suppressive. That's the way it is. So now I'm, but I'm in my house. Nobody can see me. I'm on an internet. Nobody can see what I'm thinking or doing. And I click on this blue link. I say what I say to Andreas. He writes back, you're welcome. But he had his full address and cell phone and home phone. And I thought, here I was working with these guys. They had said I had to use a phony name, a phony address. They didn't want any connection to the Church of Scientology. Nothing, right? So here's Andreas, the SP, with everything. He's totally out in the open. Right. And that alone totally cracked a big part of my Truman Show. So then he says to me, I say, thank you very much. And I thought, well, he he wasn't really creepy. Maybe I can ask him something. Because I think I can shut down ARS. That was my view. And I write him and I say, why do you have up all this creepy stuff about my religion? And he writes back and he says, Tori, or Magoo, I believe in truth. I believe in looking at both sides. And I have the courage to say what I think. I don't think Scientologists are bad. I just think they're misinformed. I suggest you start reading. Wow. Best wishes, Andreas Heldelin. And I sat in my dining room where my computer was at the time and cried for four hours. And I thought, first of all, that's what I was when I got in. I believed in truth. I believed in looking at both sides. And I've always had courage. And here I was now, I couldn't look at the truth. I couldn't look at both sides really and be a Scientologist, but I did have courage. And I thought, damn it, you know, there you go. What was the first thing you told you to read? Mary Tavioyan. And she wrote about ladies, if you're thinking of joining the Sea Org, read this. 
And I remember had been trying to get back into Sea Org since 1972. And now we're in 2000. We're in 2000 at this point. And so I open it up. I think, yeah, that's me. I want to go back into Sea Org. And it's a whole write up. I hope I don't start crying now. It just, it was unbelievable about how the church made her get an abortion. And not only that, and I'm not against abortions. I'm not. I think it's a woman's choice. But the fact that a church would make her, it wasn't like they talked about it and she went, well, okay, I'll get an abortion. It was like, this is it. Take it or leave it. Right. And we know that's true because thousands of people have said this. Right. So she went and got the abortion and then had to be back on post the next day. And I just thought, oh, my God, I couldn't stop crying for four hours. I couldn't stop. I, I was just like, I don't know what to do. And was that it for you? That was really it. And I woke up and then I got the message from my dad, get out of L.A. And I wrote to Andreas and I said, you know, I'm crying. I can't talk to any of my friends. I can't talk to my husband. I've got to get out of here. Well, you know, can you help me? So he was the one who orchestrated Bob Minton, Stacey Brooks, and Jesse Prince, the three of them helped me escape out of Scientology and out of LA. But I didn't wake up, Leah, until the day I was going to escape out. Stacey had written me saying, okay, who are you, Magoo? Yeah. And I said, I can't tell you. I can't. You know, you remember when you got out of Scientology. I can't tell you. And I sat back and I'm sitting there. An email comes in from Stacey Brooks. And I think, oh, good. She's going to help me. Yeah. And I click on it. Mm-hmm. It says, Dear Magoo, sorry we can't help you, Stacy Brooks. Why? Because I wouldn't tell them who I was. They didn't wow. know maybe I'm Osa. They right. thought that she was a plant. I gotcha. So then what happened? So now this is my thing where you I feel like I was on a cliff a thousand feet high, nude, and I yeah. look down, and at the bottom there's a little sign that says, if you jump, you might make it. Right. And I have a sign in my house that says leap and the net will appear. Right. Right. But you have to make the leap. Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of Scientologists won't make the leap because it's so scary. Sure. But you know what? It's the greatest thing. You know this. And Mike knows it. Once you get out, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it that I bought that for that long. Right. So what happened? What was the next step? She wrote me. I had to tell her. I said, "Okay, I'm Tori Bizazian. That was my married name. Yeah. And she goes, Tori, I know you. She called me up on the phone. She goes, I know you. We audited together in the HGC, which is where they audit. And I said, oh, my God, thank God. And she's because I'd forgotten it. And so she said, I'm going to put Bob on. Bob was someone who was never in Scientology, multimillionaire, but was with fighting the Church of Scientology. Yeah. So we should post that uh, episode up on. Yes, I will. I will. The websites. Yeah. Because it's an important story and amazing story. And which which one is this? From the aftermath. Bob Mitten. And. Oh, yeah. You know, you guys could look up these stories. Lisa McPherson, Bob Minton, Clearwater, Gabe Gazaris. These stories still haunt me today. And Mike, you'll put those up. But so Stacy said, you know, we're going to help you. They helped you, Stacy and Bob and Jesse Prince. Stacy said, just come to Clearwater, you know, get away for a couple of weeks. Just do yeah, that. Get away to Clearwater? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is before Clearwater was, before I'd gotten rid of Richard Tenney. You know, it was like they were there, that they had moved there to, 
start the yes. Lisa McPherson, McPherson Trust. Trust. Yes, right, yes. To fight the church. Right. So they were also helping people get out of Scientology. So she was like, yeah, come here. Yeah. So they got you there. And then at that point- Well, wait, Tori, let's just hear the story about what happened on that trip, because I remember this very well. Yeah, this is very good. And then I want to hear your side of it, Mike. And Bob gets on the phone. He says, I'm Bob Minton. And I knew of him, right? right? As an evil, horrible person. But he has this wonderful voice. And now, you know, a lot of these people are just wonderful people, you know, that you just have such a dark view of. So he gets on, he goes, hi, I'm Bob Minton. I'm like, hi, Bob. You know, I'm kind of freaked out. And he goes, look, we want to get you here. Just get a van, go to LAX. And we'll have a ticket there. Now, this is before everybody used electronic tickets. Right. So I said, how am I going to get a ticket there? And he goes, they're electronic tickets. Just go and tell them your name and they'll give you a ticket. I said, okay. Now I'm still in the mindset of Scientology to a great degree. I've woken up, but only sort of, right? Yeah. They canceled my van. He said, get a van, go to LAX. They canceled the van. I called the van company. I said, where's my van? They said, you know, somebody anonymously called and canceled it. Scientology used to send me out all the time to, quote unquote, handle the critics, right? Right. And I would go out and they would yell stuff at me that this is what's happening. These are the facts. This is the truth. And I call it plexiglass where I just, it's just down. You know, you don't hear it. It right. just bounces off. So Scientology canceled your van? They canceled my van. Huh. This is how stupid they are. See, because if they were smart, they would have just said, leave her alone. Right. And she's yes. going to go on her own. I wasn't going to do anything. I wasn't going to speak out. I don't. I called Stacey back. I said, I'm not going to make a video. I'm not going to pick it. I'm not going to speak out. Just so you know, because I thought maybe they just want to use me. Right. Right. He right. said, Tori, we're only doing what we wish somebody had done for us when we left right. the serum. Right. So they canceled the van and they book every van all around me. Everybody's like, sorry, we're booked, we're booked. It was on a Wednesday. I'm like, give me a break. But I'm, you know, like you, I'm going to get it done. So I finally find somebody and they get me to LAX. Now I walk in, the plane's canceled. Now, Stacy had said, bring a phone. Yeah. And I said, Stacy, come on, they don't do shit like that. She said, Tori, we used to run these programs. We know what we're talking about. Bring a right. phone. Now, to people listening, everyone owns a phone now. So they're thinking, what is she talking about? Right, right. But in 2000, we only had these little emergency phones in case you had an emergency. Am I right or wrong? Yep. Right? We just had these little flip phones. That was it. It was just to make a call in case you were in an emergency. So I brought my little emergency phone thinking, okay, they're full of shit, but I'll bring it. I don't think they do this kind of stuff. I really didn't. But. Because they but canceled Tori, you had done it. So I don't know why you were so shocked by this stuff. I had done what? You had been helping Scientology to silence its critics. But see, that's where I'm trying to get people to understand totalitarianism. Yeah. That's how Scientology gets this shit done. Uh -huh. Because the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. Okay. So they are always pitching to me, you are the most wonderful person. We are getting rid of these evil people. Yeah. I'm not reading the internet. And you're not thinking that you're evil. So and why I'm not would they be doing this to you? Right, right. They're evil, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so even though I meet Andreas, you know, it's sort of like, it's just weird. It's like, I never thought of myself as evil. You know, I didn't think of myself as doing those things. I was just opening up these phony accounts. 
God, he was doing those things. And he said to me, I'm not going to tell you what we're doing. And I said, why would you not tell me? And he said, because they will get you in deposition and keep you in deposition forever. (laughs) And you don't want that. He knew me and I didn't. So I said, yeah, that's true. And he goes, this way you can say forever. I don't know what they were doing. I really don't. Right. Wow. So I really didn't know. And they kept the blinders on me. Right. You see what right, I mean? Gotcha. And you're not reading the internet. I have to remember that you don't. Yeah. 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 Even when I was on it, making the 4,000 posts in four weeks and I was about ready to get off of it. And there was this guy in Sweden who was keeping the statistics and he posted the number one poster is Magoo. Yeah. And I thought, there you go. Yeah. You know, they are listening to me. They are reading my thing. But it was pro-Scientology that you were writing, right? No, I wasn't writing pro-Scientology. I was just writing nothing. Gobbledygook. So when I started writing the 4,000 posts, that was just me with the critics. And I kept thinking, maybe some critic will come on and help me. Because I just felt like there was something I was missing. Because they wouldn't go away. I'd been fighting them since 1979, right? They'd been sending me out to fight the critics. I just wanted to be in the space of the critics because I thought, and I was right, somebody will help me. And Andreas ended up being that somebody. I don't get it. Mike, can you explain it to me? I don't know. I'm not getting it. Well, she opened the account for Scientology under Scientology's direction. Right. But she just kept it. And then when they blew her off, Uh she went, you know what? What else am I going to do? I'm going to go. And I'm going to find out if there's something else that I'm missing because I'm going to interact with these people with random shit, just a little bit with random stuff, because maybe someone out there is going to help me. And it turned out that she was right, but it was just random bullshit. It wasn't like defending. It wasn't attacking. It wasn't anything. It was just, I'm interacting with these people and hopefully something will happen. I got it now. So there was a... Originally doing it for that, then doing it for herself. I get, I get. Right. Yeah. 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 So there you are. So you you finally get to L.A. The flight's canceled. What happens now? So the flight's canceled. Remember, they had said bring the phone. The vice president comes clicking up, and you remember the heels, you know, coming darting down the. And the vice president of what? Scientology of OSI. It's Janet Wheland, who at the time was Heber's deputy. Heber Jens. Yeah, who was the president of the Church of Scientology International, and she was his deputy. She was a PR person in OSA. So now she's at the airport. She comes up to me and she goes, we know where you're going. You're not going there. Oh, how'd they know where she was going, Mike? Because they do everything, Leah. We do flight reservations and uh, like we had access to the computer systems that airlines use for reservations through the internal travel agency that Scientology had, which could access them. And Scientology still has access to this, right? Uh, That's done differently now, but yes, they can still find out all this stuff, but yeah. Okay, go ahead. So she says, we know where you're going, then what? You're not going. Okay. I get out my little flip phone and I go... Stacy, the vice president is here. That's what I knew her at, right? And she goes, okay, hang on. I'm going to put Jesse Prince on. He knows what to do. And Jesse Prince comes on, who again, in my mind, is like, oh my God. Another SP. Yeah, you know, they've really, really poured it on about how evil he is, right? He's a great guy. I love him. He's like one of my best friends. Yeah. But 
Anyway, at the time, I'm kind of spooked out. And he goes, Tori, this is Jesse. Here's the deal. Do not set down the phone for one second. Not for one second. I don't care where you go. Don't set down the phone because they'll get you. And I realized they do that kind of thing. I don't set down the phone. And he says, we're going to get you another ticket. Because they figured Scientology knew where it was going. So they said, we're going to get you another ticket. So they're working on the ticket. They say, go to this counter. I go to the counter. Long story short, she's with me all the time. She won't leave me. And I said, Jesse, I can't get rid of her. And he goes, okay, here's the deal. He puts on Bob. And Bob says, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to get you a first class ticket. They have a special lounge you can go into. You go into the lounge. She can't go there. That'll be it. That'll cut it. I said, okay. So I go in the lounge. I get on the plane. I sit back. I think, oh, I'm done. I'm out of here. That's it. The ticket was going to Tampa. I had to stop off in Chicago. So I stop off in Chicago and my husband's there. And he comes walking up to me in the airport. He goes, Tori, hi. We need to go on a vacation. <laughs> now, <laughs> why is that weird? Just why is that weird? Well, anybody who worked with OSA knew they did really. I, I had a mild idea of their dirty tricks from the Guardian's office. I learned that then. And I never thought they got rid of that. I just didn't consider myself part of that. Well, why was it weird for your husband to be there at the airport in Chicago? I'll tell you. So he's there. He goes, we're going to go on vacation. Okay, so that's number one. I'm escaping out of a cult. And he wants me to go on a vacation. That's the best thing he can have. I've been married to the guy 27 years. And he can't say, Tori, come talk to me. I need to find out what's happening with you. Right? You know, something real, something honest. He's like, let's go on a vacation, which I knew, you know, that was from Yachty, who was our auditor, both of our auditors, who was like, oh, yeah, just tell him you're going on a vacation. Mm -hmm. So I say, no, I'm not going on a vacation. And I said, and you know where I'm going, because I knew at this point they'd already briefed him. And so then OSA shows up, a whole bunch of people show up and they give me a stack of papers. They say, you need to read these and find out where you're going. Okay, so. He says, I'm getting on the plane with you. In the Church of Scientology, you both know you're not allowed to call the police. That's against the law. It's a high crime. Right. You can't. Right. So I say to him, I'll tell you what, pal. You get on that fucking plane, and I'm going to call the police. So he doesn't get on the plane. I get on the plane. We fly to Clearwater. Their vans only went till midnight. So I thought, I'm safe. It's 1.45 in the morning. Wrong. I go walking down the runway. There's like a whole mob of people, including Penny Jones, who I knew. And she's leaping up and down. Tori, 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 we have to talk to you. And the police and Stacy, Bob and Jesse. That's the picture. Wow. So it's the three SPs, the police and this mob of people. Yeah. And the police go, stand back. They said, she has to decide. And I knew if I didn't talk to Penny, they would think that I was drugged or something. So I go up to her and you have to understand, I haven't mentioned this, but I'd been on OT7 for seven years. Right. I wasn't working. And I'd been writing to David Miscavige saying, this level does not work. I'm a hundred pounds overweight. I need to get off this level and handle this. Because yeah. L. Ron Hubbard says you cannot have wins if you're auditing over a present time problem. And a hundred pounds overweight is 10, 10 pound bags of potato. Right. So that's like, really a present time problem. 
they would just write back, okay, continue. They would never, ever answer that, ever. Right. So now here's Penny Jones. I'm escaping out. She goes, Tori, I have a direct line to David Miscavige. I can tell him whatever you want. Now, he's the only reason I left, is David Miscavige and epilepsy. Those are the two main reasons, and OSA. But, you know, it was like, I hated that guy. Right. And so for her to say, we have a direct line to him when I've spent seven years trying to write the guy and he won't even, you know, pay attention to me at all. Yeah. But now he's got all the time in the world to help me. No. So I look at the police and I go like this. I pick them. <laughs> and that's the three SPs. Right. And they say to them, stand back. Mm-hmm. And I go with them. And Bob Minton, as we're walking through the airport, goes, ladies and gentlemen, this ruckus is because of the church of scientology and this is how brainwashed i was i put my hands over his mouth and i say don't say that that's a <laughs> church <laughs> still still brainwashing is a long yeah. it takes a long time to strip off sure sure yeah i've been working on it for 10 years i've been reading self-improvement books for 10 years yeah so that's why i was able to wake up yeah as well as all the other crap but right it's it's a long haul to wake up from brainwashing. Oh yeah. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You're absolutely no. right. Yeah. So that was it. Now I'm an SP. They, well, they declared me an SP. I made a video. Well, Mark Bunker made it and it's called Magoo Dancing in Boston. And it's about us going to Boston because I start thinking, Leah, wait a minute, maybe these guys are really just OSA because I grew up around money and they're living in a house that has their bed my bed upstairs, Bob's shaving kit in the bathroom upstairs, and that's it, and a, mm-hmm. and a dining room table. And I think, this guy's a multimillionaire, and this is where they're living? Mm-hmm. And so I tell him just what I told you. And he goes, okay, we're going up to my home in New Hampshire this weekend. And they get tickets, and we fly up to New Hampshire. It's a gorgeous four-story house. It's beautiful. And anyway, I see his other life. Yeah. He was there just to set up the trust and fight Scientology and expose what they did to Lisa McPherson. So that wasn't his usual residence. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. So now we're going back to Boston to fly home, back to Clearwater. And he says, oh, by the way, we're going to pick it. And I said, I'm not going to pick it. I told you I'm not going to pick it. And they said, okay. And I said, just drop me off at the mall. That's it. But then I think you are such a flake, Tori. You know, all these people in a week, I've been talking to these people. And they, they're begging us to help them get the kids out of Scientology. And here I am with all this information, and I'm going to go to the mall. I said, no, no. Okay, drop me off in front of the Boston Orb, and I'm going to go there by myself. So I walk in, and I say, I'm a Scientologist. And then I say, well, actually, I'm not. I just left the Church of Scientology. So I guess you better call HCO, which is what they do if there's ever anything that's bad at all. They have a thing called HCO call order and everyone's supposed to come, right, Mike? Yep. HCO bring order. Bring order. So she says, I am HCO. And I say, great. Then we don't have any problem, right? And you can give me a tour of the org. Just kind of being, you know, goofy. And this other girl is in the lobby selling books. And I know her, Carolyn Percy. And she goes, Tori, Hi. And I go, hey, Carolyn, how are you? And I'm in What is Scientology, the original What is Scientology. And right before I left, they'd made a small magazine, which I have, if you want me to show it to you, I can. But it's a small magazine, you know, with 
what is Scientology, but very thin. And they said, we're going to get this out everywhere, Tori. This is going to be everywhere. And they retook a picture of me right before I left. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was all these people in there. And a couple of them had left, including me. Yeah. And she says, you're in the book. And I think this is the last, first and last time I'm ever going to see this book. Right. And I say, can I get a copy of it? And she goes, sure, take it. So I take it and I go outside. She goes, well, did you go through HCO? Because I said, I'm not in Scientology anymore. I'm out. And she goes, well, did you route out? And I said, no. And she goes, well, you have to route out. I said, I don't have that plan. Yeah. I said, but good luck. And I go out and I, I just talk to them. You can see how, you know, Mark Bunker has me on the beginning of the video handling the critics in Scientology as a Scientologist. Yes. And then it flips to me in Boston with these guys trying to handle them. And that's where I finally decided to talk because they were videotaping me and they wouldn't talk to me. And I finally went up to Bob and I said, Bob, I'm so hot. And he said, I know it's hard work being a suppressive, isn't it? Corey? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, just go across the street, go in the van, turn on the air conditioning. For me. Yeah. I'm in the van with the air conditioning on and this guy keeps filming me and he's filming me and he's filming me. And he's From Scientology. Across, yeah. He's walking across the street and he puts the camera on the window. Mm-hmm. And that was the second I went, you know what? Screw all of you. I have free speech too. Yeah. And maybe I have something to say. Yeah. Maybe. I come back and you see in the video, it's like, hey, Andreas, you know, it's just like I was free at that point. I could speak out. I was done. It was and like you started the- and you started speaking out. Do we, do we have that video to post, Mike? I will find it. Yeah, I'm sure I'll ask Mark for it. If we if you can't find it on the Internet, we should post it to see the difference. Like Tori's saying, yeah, it's, like it's, it's easy day, right? to see. Yeah, but you really see me handling them. And then wow, it's really a great video. But I just want to sort of wrap this up quick because we're running over time now. Subsequent to that have become an almost mythical, famous figure (laughs) in the world of Scientology truth exposers. Because of what you have done and how kind you are to people, like I have watched a ton of videos of you, Tori, where unlike other people that walk up and try and abuse people who are in Scientology to persuade them that there's something that they need to open their eyes about, you do it with humor and with some dignity and respect for those people. And I just want to thank you for the way that you have done that over the years. And you've been doing it for a lot longer than me and a lot longer than Leah. And the last thing I want to say is there is a program that was written about handling you, which I know you've seen, Tari. And I'm going to post that on my blog and on the fairgamepodcast.com website because this program is the epitome of everything that we say about what Scientology Fair Game really is. It lays out... Here are the things that Tari is seeking to protect. She's trying to protect her reputation. She's trying to protect her job. She's trying to protect her comm lines. She's worried about her health. And then here are the steps to muzzle. Muzzle and with the ultimate 
objective by the 30th of April 2006, Tory discredited with the media, dismissed as an attacker, or totally restrained and muzzled. Can I add something? Can I add something, Mike? Yes. When I see stuff like this, my mouth like drops. Even though I've seen many of these, I've seen, we did this. You know how I felt when I saw all the documents with, with, um, Cazares. Cazares. I mean, when I saw those documents, I, and again, you know, like Tori's saying, like, well, didn't you know this shit was going on? Yes and no. (laughs) Yes and no. We were not privy to this information. As, Definitely not a celebrity. No way. As parishioners, we've read fair game. We've seen those documents, but we didn't see the internal OSA guardian's office, the way to do that, you know, what, what they mean and what they're doing right. Uh, right. secretly, right? Those are reserved not only for certain Sea Org members, not all Sea Org members have seen these documents right? on uh, fair game, Mike, right? No, not even close to yeah, all. Yeah, like the vast majority have not. And even when you show them, I mean, listen, Mike and I have showed them, I'm sure, uh, Tori, you've shown, we've shown them these policies that are actually in the Scientology books. It's just that you have to fucking decode them and you have to explain what the fuck this is because it's written in in a different language. It's different. It's written in Scientology language. So, for example, the fact that they, and this is not on, this happens every day. We have one of these Everybody who's spoken out has a program, an internal program written out for them this way. So on the top of this, it says eyes only, confidential, attorney-client privilege. I don't know what the fuck that means. I mean, I know what it means, Mike, but the fact that they put it there is fucking asinine. Uh, March 31st, Tory Chrisman program. And it has the references that they're operating off of so that the person who's in charge of destroying your life knows this is per LRH. Right. So they list right. the references that justifies this. Right. And it's counterattack tactics, which, Mike, you should put up, and intelligence principles. Yep. And then it goes into a little description about you, but then it says what you protect because one of the policies of Fair Game says find out what the person seeks to protect and go after it. So usually right. it's family, and it even lists it out, family, friends, reputation, job. That's what it says. So go after yep. those things. So this is from her confidential sessions in Scientology, what they're calling <laughs> spiritual. They're using the information they have found in her files or made up, Leah, because not all of it of is from me. Well, listen, Tori protects her reputation, so then they go into some some information that they've gotten from you in, in a session, you're right, and made up, and she protects her job. She protects her communication lines. You have attention on your health. I mean, this is a fucking church writing this to then target these things that right. she protects. It's crazy for someone to want to protect their reputation. Crazy for someone to want to protect their job. Crazy to want to protect your fucking health. I mean, this is what drives me crazy, Mike. It drives me absolutely crazy. Okay, now. Right. Then they put in some of her confessions mixed in with some lies. Per policy, L. Ron Hubbard, the way L. Ron Hubbard writes out a fair game 
operation. Purpose in bold to dispense with the source of N theta, which means bad news and black PR so that Scientology can get on with its expansion <laughs> unimpeded. <laughs> Sorry. Major target in bold, Tory dismissed as an attacker or totally restrained and muzzled. Primary targets starts out one. Now, I'm not going to read all of this, but it has points one through 25, and under each target is a line where the person who has to do this job has to sign done. So, you know, read the program. <laughs> He's going to post it. Don't don't read it all. No, no, no. But the, I just want to explain this so that when people read it, they know what they're looking at, Tori. Okay. It's insane. There's a few highlights in here, Tori. Like, get your now ex-husband to call up the manager of the company that you're working at and complain. Get your son to do the same thing. Get a document, and it says here, get a document that Tori threw away, which means they were collecting or paying for your garbage, right. which is standard operating procedure. Get Chad Garrett, PI in LA, to use one of his resources to become a client and then have that person Stop filing complaints about Tori so she'll get fired. This is sending in a fake guy. Mike, Mike, get the new client, hook up with Tori, and get coached by her to set up a personal... But What the fuck? Yeah. I, I'll tell you one thing. Like I said, I wasn't going to do any of this shit. They have brought me... Mike, you said I'm, you know, like... A, oh, they make, their, they make their own enemies. Yes. They have kept me going. Many, many times I thought, okay, that's it. I am done. Look, no, number one, Tori, is get Harold to call up Channel 2, this is your ex-husband, and complain about the fact that they have put his ex-wife on TV and let her lie about their marriage and other things she has said to get their agreement not to use Tori any longer as a source of information about Scientology. The sick fucking shit about this is that this is what they have done since the inception of Fair Game in 1950 to today. Every tweet, every post by the Stan League and every quote-unquote just a Scientology dad on Twitter is these targets. Discredit Mike. Discredit Leah. Mike's daughter, who's a Sea Org member, has a fucking website called Justice for Mom claiming that she and her mother are victims of domestic violence. They are showing up to events in L.A., taking pictures with the fucking mayor of L.A. with real victims of domestic violence. They ticketed in front of A&E with uh, religious bigotry. and all. They have my father, who has passed away, wasn't even a Scientologist, to make a horrible video about me. They have been doing it, and they will continue to do it until the IRS revokes their fucking tax exemption. This thing that you're talking about, Mike, that, yep. that I hope we post and whoever I will. gave this to us was amazing, and thank you, is going on every day. This costs millions and millions of dollars of tax-exempt money that you, who are not in Scientology, are paying for. Now, the only thing I'm going to ask, Mike, is that Marty was the person who turned that on to me and yep. sent it to me. Yep. And he said, 
if you want to write your response, you can. And I did. And that's on the internet, too. Well, send it to me. Marty Rathbun has gone back into the Church of Scientology and is now attacking everybody who befriended him, who helped him, who, when he was on the right side of this fight, was there for Marty. And Marty now has gone back into Scientology. Why? Your guess is as good as mine. All I know is the guy didn't have a job, doesn't have an education, and somehow he owns his house outright and is doing just fine with no job. No, I get you on that. I'm not talking about it as pro him. I'm just saying I want... Oh, I didn't think you were. I'm just letting the listeners know who Marty was and is. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But I, Mike, I'm just saying I want that one on there where it has my side of it, what I say. Absolutely, Tari. Okay. Because otherwise it's just all their shit. But believe me, Tari, anybody that reads this program because they've listened to this show is not going to believe a word. But to know that this document, Mike, is from the Church of Scientology, and this is what they do day in and day out, the Stan League and all of Scientology's front groups, we should, I think we've listed them in another episode, what they are. And if you are... A person who goes, well, to each his own. Stop fucking listening to us then, if you are that person. I don't even want to go on about it. Don't don't <laughs> support anything I fucking do, if you think that. It's uh, like any other church, if you think that, stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> I might be getting my period, but I believe what I'm saying. This is a miscavige of justice. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Miller... To coined that Dennis phrase Miller. for us. Yeah. Dennis Miller coined that phrase for us. He calls it a miscavige of justice. <laughs> All right. Well, for me, I just want to thank you guys. I want to thank everyone who has helped me a lot, especially Andreas, Jesse. I mean, I've had just hundreds, really thousands of people have helped me. And over and over, like I said, I was ready to leave, but Scientology comes in and does more stuff. And just to clarify it, fair game means. It's a thing Hubbard wrote where he said, you can lie, cheat, steal, destroy someone utterly. Yes. And that is a policy of the Church of Scientology to this day. Yeah. So when Leah says fair game, that's what she's talking about. They can do any of that. Yeah. And they have been doing any of that since 1950. We're talking now over five decades of this illegal, evil any other adjectives you want to add, it's still going on, will continue to go on unless somebody does something about it, which is why we continue to speak out. And Tori, like Mike said, we cannot thank you enough for your voice, for your continuing to speak out and fight the good fight. And you have helped thousands just as you have been helped. Not everybody does it. Not everybody has the fucking courage. So thank you. And thank you all for listening. And thank you for your support. Until next time. Bye. Thanks for having me on. Bye.